passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. How beautiful could this be? Oh, that's a kick. Daniel Bryan was going for the Daniel Bryan. This was going for Daniel Bryan's knee. And now come the accolade. Accolade. Rusev, can he do it? It did it. Rusev has a WWE title opportunity. Here is your winner by submission. Rusev. Rusev has earned his first ever one-on-one match for the WWE Championship. As if they don't have too much on their place. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. They talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. Rwanda Smackdown. Rwanda Smackdown. Rwanda Smackdown. Rwanda Smackdown. Rwanda Smackdown. Rwanda Smackdown. Smackdown. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind to Smackdown. It's John Pollock and Wei Ting. Back at it for another night. And here I thought we got everything taken care of on Monday Night Way. We, we chatted for hours and hours, and yet here we are 24 hours later. And I feel we have tons of stuff to discuss again. Yeah, we might need another overrun. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know. It's It's been a crazy day. Lots of stuff to discuss. Uh, we are going to get into SmackDown. Uh, but several big stories uh, coming out today. Uh, probably the most notable that people want to hear about is the, I guess, somewhat unexpected release uh, Big Cass, following his loss to Daniel Bryan on Sunday, they announced Tuesday afternoon that Big Cass has been released. That was it. It was a one-line statement put out by the WWE. No future um, endeavors. Yeah, a lot of people have drawn attention to that, and I think it, it's it's something that, I guess, raised eyebrows about how uh, what, the, what this breakup uh, consisted of, where there are a lot, lot of harsh feelings. So, uh, I did reach out to somebody in the company and kind of asked about, you know, kind of the circumstances here. And the way it was described to me is that when you recall last summer, when they broke up Enzo and Big Cass and they did the big heel turn with Cass, they had that god-awful feud with Big Cass and The Big Show, which, Wade, do you even remember this feud that culminated in a shark cage match at SummerSlam? Uh, now that you mention it, yes, but I have not thought about it once since it occurred. Okay, well... Imagine how bad that sounds, and that is probably a good representation in your memory. So dating back to then, like people were not happy with Cass's performance in that feud after they had just turned him. Then you remember the night after SummerSlam, he tears his ACL in the street fight with Enzo, and he's gone up until this, this latest run. And it sounds like they, they weren't really blown away with um, Cass's work uh, during this program either and what he had been uh, tasked with with doing in this Brian feud. Um, the the story I think everyone is going to focus on was the one that uh, Ryan Satin had reported last month and that was the segment they did heading into Backlash with the mini Daniel Bryan 
And for those not familiar with the story, uh, apparently Cass, the segment was that he would lay out this this mini version of Daniel Bryan with a big boot, and that would be the segment going into Backlash. And Cass wanted to further attack this little person with follow-up strikes. And he pitched this and was turned down and allegedly went right to Vince McMahon, who said, no, you're just going to do the big boot. And Cass decided uh, to basically go into business for himself, and he did the boot and then followed up and further attacked this this guy. And it was edited for the website. Uh, he lost that weekend to Daniel Bryan at Backlash. Uh, but the feud continued. So I was told that like that was a big thing. But I have a hard time imagining that alone was the reason. Because it, it happened so long ago that I think if they were that upset, um, they would have let him go right after Backlash instead of uh, keeping him for another month uh, to prolong this this feud with Daniel Bryan. So the way it sounded to me is that, um, you know, they weren't overly impressed with, with Cass's work. And it, it just sounds to me like it was just an accumulation of things that led to them ultimately cutting bait on him. And I can't say 100% there wasn't some incident right at the end that ultimately ended all of this. But that's kind of the information I gathered from this is that it was, you know, they just decided to let him go and just overall i get it was like performance related it's hard to speculate i think without uh knowing some of the details uh it, exactly and it's like cass is cass has obviously not explained his side like there's always multiple sides to mm-hmm. all of this and i understand like i'm just hearing from you know it's, a portion inside the company uh, it's hard for me to buy that it, it's it's only related to you know uh performance issues though because as we talked about yesterday it's really tough it seems to get released these days, at least strictly based off of performance. And for somebody like Cass, who they seem to have so much uh, of, of uh, I don't know, uh, um, put belief behind giving him so many of these uh, pushes, uh, especially against a guy like a Daniel Bryan. I mean, it's hard for me to think that they would just give up on him strictly based off of uh, maybe underwhelming performances in this feud. I have to think that there's something more. But again, that's all just speculation at this point. Yeah. And that's it's possible. I just I wasn't told that. Um as well, and this is me just looking at things, it's something you and I always talk about with SmackDown, of how bloated this roster is to fit onto a two-hour show, that you have to imagine that the the pressure to deliver when you're getting your first big push, it's probably, there's probably a little bit more pressure on SmackDown because we have so many guys and we're dedicating, like you're getting a Daniel, you're getting Daniel Bryan's first program in four years so you have to imagine that they are expecting a home run here. We are gifting you Daniel Bryan's first program and dedicating like a lot of television time to you that if they're not happy with the performance. It's, you know, there's a lot of guys on that SmackDown roster, guys that cannot be on TV every single week. So if someone is not at a certain expectation level or meeting that expectation level, they may feel the ability to just simply cut bait on somebody and open that up for X amount of other guys that might fit that role a lot easier. But I have no idea how that would explain Jinder Mahal or, uh, uh, you know, name name all the the number of disappointing people. Uh, Baron Corbin, you know, guys that, that have been given that ball and been given that chance but haven't really delivered yet are still, you know, still being pushed somewhat in the company. Well, that comes down to, like, if you have a negative opinion of someone, Nothing they do is going to change that, in my opinion. 
like it's you can and this is what drives people in this industry crazy is that you can you can have two people do identical things and they can be received in completely different ways based on the producer or the agent of, of whether they look at this guy in a positive light if he if it's someone that they are behind and pushing or if it's someone that they perceive to be in the doghouse they can do no right at this point in time mm-hmm. and i'm and i don't i'm sure that it was cast feeling maybe he wasn't being given um certain leeway on, on different things i mean Listen, I, I would love to hear his side as well, yeah. because there's always uh, two sides to all of this. And I don't even look at Cass was, you know, were his matches blow away? No, they weren't. But I did see potential in this guy, mm-hmm. uh, specifically when he was coming back. I, I thought this guy was a good promo. He wasn't uh, the best promo, but far from the worst either. Had potential. Um, had potential and to he, develop. Yes. And he was he's 30. He's not. It's not as though this guy is in the twilight of his career. He has been in that system a long time. He was signed in 2011. So you're, you're looking at he was down in developmental for a very long period of time. Uh, but you certainly saw flashes with him. I mean, if if you're looking at um, three examples, the two that you just brought up of Big Cass, Jinder Mahal and Baron Corbin, if I had to place, you know, uh, money on one of those three to make it. I might pick Cass out of those three. What What do you think happens to him now? I mean, Grant, let's let's assume that he wasn't dismissed for anything, uh, you know, that I think uh, controversial. Let's say, uh, and do you think he stays in in the wrestling business? And do you think he has a viable career in the independency or TNA? Uh, it, it's It's ultimately going to come down to what his attitude is coming out of this. Um, is he going to be um, someone that prices himself? just out of the marketplace that he's going to get very minimal bookings, or is he someone that is going to take the approach like a Drew McIntyre, for instance, guy who had uh, a great look, um, had a lot of potential, but people were kind of down on him after leaving the WWE. And he just attacked the independent scene and revitalized his career. Three years later, he was brought back. Um, I could definitely see impact taking a chance on, on Cass. You know, he is not the level of performer that I think is going to, allow him to really thrive in like the independent scene of, of what's currently working. Um, it's all going to come down to kind of his attitude and how he approaches life outside of the WWE. He was signed so early in his career. His first match was 2009 and he was in developmental within two years. So he had very limited time on the independent scene. And is he going to want to go back to that? I think these cases, it always comes down to the individual and what their mindset is towards the independence. Do they look at it as a demotion or do they look at it as an opportunity to reinvent and be outside of the restrictions that a WWE presents to him? So uh, yeah. it's really hard to say right now, but I can definitely see there being uh, interest uh, for anyone that's coming off you know, a notable run in the WWE. It is so interesting to to think about like the two most high high profile releases as of late have been Big Cass and Enzo. And when you think about where these two were when they first got into the company, I mean, it seemed like the sky was the limit for both of them and kind of very unfortunate, you know. And and, and when you look at the, the that trio, it's really Carmella who has been doing uh the, the complete opposite in terms of uh, her career. Yeah, so this week James Ellsworth in and Big Cass out. Mm-hmm. Of the WWE. Um, so some other uh, news as well um, that I did have in the update. Uh, Alicia Fox was just cleared on Monday. So she will probably be back 
whenever they have some kind of an idea for her. Um, Sami Zayn, uh, this was reported by PW Insider that he was going down to Birmingham, Birmingham Alabama uh, to get checked on for an unknown injury. And uh, from what I understand, they're really not going to know until they assess the actual injury and how damaged it is that they'll know um, how severe it is and how long he's going to be out of action. But he is legitimately hurt, and it sounded like he's been uh, hurt for some time and just getting through this Lashley program as well, which uh, uh, would be unfortunate if it's an extended uh, leave uh, for him at this point. Well, I mean, I'll say coming off of that program, I feel like some time off could actually be a benefit to help refreshen uh, his character or perhaps just separate his, the, the audience's perception of him being attached to this terrible, terrible angle. So maybe not such a bad thing. And the Madison Square Garden date that we were discussing last week, uh, the Sinclair CEO, he had come out and talked about the fact that Ring of Honor is going to run Madison Square Garden next year. And it was it was pretty well known that they were targeting WrestleMania weekend to run Madison Square Garden when the WWE is there for that weekend. And on Tuesday, uh, Joe Coff did an interview with Mike Johnson at PW Insider stating that they are not going to be running Madison Square Garden after the venue contacted them and it had, quote, communication with the WWE, and there will be no show at the Garden. So mm. uh, I, mm. I look at it as a um, bit of a blow to, to Ring of Honor because I don't know what that next venue is that they run that weekend because I, I'm really of the belief that they have, out, they have outgrown the Hammerstein Ballroom, even if you were to jack up ticket prices. Like a 2,000-seat arena just does not seem uh, – sustainable for what they can do now for the biggest weekend of the year when you have all of those people in town and it's not just them but but them and new japan yeah like mm-hmm. you can load up a show uh you could run the nassau coliseum or the prudential center um it certainly lacks the prestige that madison square garden had like to me running a show at madison square garden that almost becomes the draw in and of itself mm-hmm. it's something historical that fans will flock to because of just the significance of roh running Madison Square Garden before you even announce matches and and lineups. Um, Mm -hmm. And the other question is, what is. What is Madison Square Garden going to be featuring that weekend? Because to me, it's the WWE is not going to be just booking this for for no reason. Like there has to be some kind of deal worked out and either they're going to be running it that weekend or there is some deal in place with the WWE for more of a more of a regular presence that they're going to have at the garden, which I think this ultimately came down to the Madison square garden. had kind of been pushed aside for the Barclays center. And this was, I I think almost like ring of honor being dangled in front to get the, uh, the jilted X back in back with them. I know seems like, doesn't it? It definitely does seem like that. Uh, and, and I feel, I feel like Joe Coff's uh, statements are are pretty much saying that exact same thing. Uh, not really hiding anything about it. Um, Somebody, somebody got jealous and and wanted their their ex back. Um, it, 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 I think it's interesting to see like how much of this uh, move uh, puts ROH onto the WWE's radar. Um, made probably in the end very minimal considering how big the WWE is now in comparison to ROH. Uh, but but for that weekend, I I do see. ROH being somewhat uh, targeted, you know, obviously they can do NXT at, at MSG or, but they have, they already announced for Barclays. They've, they've 
committed those events to the Barclays Center, which right. to me, that would really upset the Barclays Center. That to me is just logic that, hey, we're going to take something that could be a million-dollar gate and we're going to transfer it uh, across town to the Garden instead. Yeah. So to me, it's almost like you have to come up with something in addition to, which, listen, the WWE can they can come up with something. Uh, can they come up with something that can draw, um, you know, 16, 17,000 people? That's another question. Mm. Garden's not a small place, nor, as we've explained, is it a cheap place to run. It is, uh, it might be the most expensive building to, to rent, period. Um, I don't know the exact figure, but it's an ex- that's a huge reason why uh, they don't do a lot of tapings there. It's just, it's such an expensive building to run, but they're going to have to do something now if they're working this out. I, I feel that uh, ROH is, you know, it's, it's clearly, uh, I think, um, a power this is clearly a power thing for, for the WWE. I think you go back to uh, their reaction when the Young Bucks and Cody did the little mini invasion in California uh, with this as well in their backyard and how this, uh, what the perception of this is. What I find the most interesting is the fact that uh, last week it wasn't Joe Coff or anyone from Ring of Honor that was doing that interview stating that they were going to run the garden. It was the CEO of Sinclair Broadcasting, which... Everyone's talking about poking the bear that is WWE. There is a much larger bear named Sinclair Broadcasting that if, like, they seem to be that Ring of Honor is just one of their many toys that they own that they don't really play with quite a lot. They they let them run, and it's this division of a much larger company. And if this were to get the attention of Sinclair, this becomes very interesting because they have the resources that they could absolutely go uh, and prop up ring of honor to a much higher level than they're at right now oh i hope so i think that'd be good uh for for everybody wouldn't it um it's you know certainly i i think this is no suggestion that sinclair will go against the wwe i don't think this is any type of turner versus mcmahon thing anymore uh again i feel the wwe is way beyond that even like what can really sinclair do you know, to, to prop ROH up that much to, to be a competitor. I, I think it's minimal, um, but I certainly think more money uh, being put and more effort being being put to, to make ROH a bigger show and a bigger product is, is probably good for wrestling in general. So uh, it remains to be seen. Yeah, it'll be very curious to see now where Ring of Honor runs uh, that weekend and how they are they going to be as savvy as the Young Bucks have been of taking these um, perceived negatives and benefiting from it. Like Ring of Honor could build a whole show about, you know, being banned from the garden and make this like an even bigger event. Like they were yeah, bullied by uh, the uh, WWE and they, they come out with this. Affliction uh, this banned. Show. Yeah, that's what I thought of immediately when I when I heard this story today was the same thing. They could. I think it would work. I mean, I think this stories like this already help their narrative, you know, to, to, to seem like the underdog alternative. Uh, will they go, you know, full force into it for the promotion of, of this WrestleMania weekend show? I think it would help. Um, I think they will sell out regardless, though, wherever they, they decide to do the show. But on that note, you talking about the Young Bucks, um, I finally caught up with being the elite this week. And as uh, many people know, uh, the Bucks and the New Day uh, had this video game battle for Street Fighter over yes. the weekend at E3. And they documented this this on the latest edition of being the elite. Uh, so in the video game battle, I guess Kenny Omega won for the team. And so it was the elite that beat them. 
So the final scene of being the elite this week featured uh, post-match, post-video game comments with uh, Nick, uh, Kenny, and, and Matt talking about how, well, you know, we beat these guys in a video game. I mean, you know, maybe we can be, do better than that. Maybe we can beat them in something athletic, something, you know, on a bigger stage. And then Nick goes on to suggest, maybe we could beat them at basketball. And then, ha, ha, ha. But then uh, Matt just says, why don't we challenge them to a match? And that's how the video ends. So they wouldn't be teasing this unless something was in the works. Um, So that is very well something that we could potentially be seeing. I think the reason that we're seeing all this Kenny Omega content appear on WWE.com and the network is probably not by coincidence. So uh, something seems to be brewing there. Hmm. You're, You're definitely putting on your conspiracy hat here. I mean, it's not just me. It's I feel like it's a lot of people. Um, but they're also they're also teasing the uh, the Bucks and Jericho doing a teaming on that 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 uh, cruise, cruise that Jericho's promoting as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're teasing a lot of stuff. Well, let's get into SmackDown from Tuesday night. Uh, this was like way down the uh, the news on Tuesday night after all this stuff. But uh, Toledo, Ohio, was the site of SmackDown. Uh, from the Huntington Center, and Paige opened up the show. Uh, what did you think of her reading ability here? I thought she did perfectly fine. Yeah, I mean, she seemed to, seems to do better in, in settings like this than perhaps uh, the, the ones that require actual acting. This was just more of a hosting gig. I thought she did totally fine here. She mentioned Brian's triumphant victory over Big Cass, and... Then she went through all the highlights of SmackDown at Money in the Bank and promoted the five-man gauntlet for tonight. Carmella came out, and she got very serious and said when she was younger, she dealt with self-confidence issues and never thought she would be good enough. She didn't allow the world to write her story. She became the author of her life. And she saw something beautiful in herself before anyone else, and she became a champion. And she wants every young girl and young boy that doubts themselves to look into the mirror and repeat the words, Mella is money. Psych. And she laughs about the notion of ever having confidence issues. And the real lesson is just give up. Mm-hmm. She cashed in, won the title. She mentions beating Charlotte Flair twice, and now she's beaten Asuka, and she did it all by herself. Uh, what did you think of her doing the, the Alexa Bliss uh, split personality promo? Well, that's the exact thing, wasn't it? I mean, I think this type of swervy promo at this point to me is so... They, lo- they love this. Well, it's so associated with Alexa that I, I just can't help but compare it, especially since we saw the exact same thing to start off Raw the night prior. Uh, Carmella, I don't think I don't think does it nearly as well. Um, so I feel like they need to come up with a different voice for her, especially since Alexa is the champ- champion right now on the other show, and it's very much the same thing. I feel like Carmella's type of like taunting, I told you so type of promo style. To me, it seems better suited for an annoying manager or a sidekick rather than the champion of an entire division and a heel one at that. I personally would want Carmella to sound a little less perhaps juvenile and a bit more serious and intimidating. So the imposter of of Asuka comes out and it's revealed to be James Ellsworth. He said no one was ready for Ellsworth, and he's back to serve the greatest woman in history who's better than Charlotte, Lita, Trish Stratus, Mother Teresa, 
Beyonce. She's better than Ronda Rousey, and she's better than Asuka. Basically, every, every notable female figure this crowd is familiar with. Yeah, and I guess if they were doing a... Like, if they were going in ascending order, you can see where they place Ronda Rousey in comparison to Mother Teresa. Or you can see where they place Beyonce in comparison to Mother Teresa. <laughs> what does that mean? Poor Charlotte. It's in the wow. basement. The real Asuka comes out, and Ellsworth stands up to her, takes a spin kick to the body, and Carmella just nails her with a super kick. Asuka goes down, Becky leaves, and Asuka is left with this just look on her face like, oh, you got me. Uh, if you if you want to know my true th- uh, belief and thoughts of this segment, listen to Rewind to Raw and listen to my recap of the Ronda Rousey portrayal, and then everything I said, apply the opposite to it, and that's how I felt Asuka came across here. Right, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Asuka... Um, this was essentially the same segment. This was like the sliding doors uh, version. X6. of the, the woman coming off who failed at the pay-per-view and how we rehab her uh, in the first segment of the show. Yeah. I, I thought Asuka just... No, you know, the, she just... Just got laid out here. Well, there is not nearly the level of, I think, importance that they placed on Asuka here uh, in comparison to Ronda Rousey. They're not having Asuka go go to the upfronts to speak for the company. Asuka is just another person, I think, uh, to take up another spot in a B-level pay-per-view show. It looks like this feud is continuing. It looks like they're going to do another one of these matches. I personally don't know how much interest there is. Um, and I felt like I felt like the, the angle here... I mean, we saw Ronda take down, what, uh, uh, Alexa. She took down Kurt. She took down a bunch of referees. Here, it was one kick from Carmella that took Asuka out. Asuka, who prior to this point was completely undefeated, uh, or prior to WrestleMania, I mean, was was very much undefeated. I feel at the very least a belt shot or something, you know, instead of a super kick from Carmella. Uh, It wasn't even anything cowardly or even that. Like, she did it right to her face. Yeah, so, like I said, I mean, at this point, I, I personally have kind of given up on, on seeing Asuka maybe at that as that top-tier women's champion in the division. To me, it feels like they're going to let Carmella run with this for a while, and I see Becky ultimately being the person to take that belt from her. On this show, Becky felt like the one they're heating up. Yeah. And Asuka, the one that has cooled down greatly. Um, Becky was uh, then shown backstage uh, debating over which pair of goggles, of identical-looking goggles, she was going to wear. I'm sure Brett had the same issue every every time he went out, didn't he? Yeah, I bet he did. This would be like someone having like three pairs of shoes that are identical, and you're really debating which which pair to wear. I know, I know, the exact same. I know people like that that have multiple pairs of the same shoes multiple pairs of the same type of shoes so like i don't know if you know but there are many types of black there are many types of blues john and and the the way that each one is is maybe patterned or configured could be slightly different and maybe that's what becky was deciding between here billy k and peyton royce came out and they couldn't pronounce toledo at first they called them the audience smelly animals and billy k wanted to Talk to Peyton Royce uh, with Royce playing the role of Becky Lynch, which she spoke as though she was Becky, but didn't do an accent for her. She just spoke normally. I couldn't tell if she was doing an accent or not, because I, I've never heard an Australian try uh, an Irish person's accent. 
I don't know but if she's I'd... done the she's done the Becky one before. Has she? I'm pretty sure she has. I just I don't know if I'd be able to tell the difference. Like they all sound <laughs> sound like real, the same to me. This is how my uh, thought process now goes of just all the insanity that you hear of Vince McMahon. It's totally plausible to me that he would tell her to do your own voice when you're doing an impression of somebody else. Could be. Yeah. Who knows? That's one of those weird stories that you hear. And of course, of course, that's what was said here. So I always assume the worst. Um, anyway, uh, she called Sh- uh, Becky Charlotte's troll and her sidekick. A troll so, of a sidekick is what she uh, said. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, Billy Kay, Becky Lynch. Yeah, Becky I, attacked- you know, I, I thought the Iconics did a really good job. I mean, I feel like it's been a while since I've seen them do their stand-up routine. Um, I don't know if they were on TV last week or not, but uh, it's, I feel like it's been a while. And I thought they did a really good job here as usual, you know, uh, heating up the baby face. It will keep them over despite kind of how they're they're slotted. I mean, they Well, I think I think we should take some lessons from this Carmelo run and 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 see that first of all, I mean, the Iconics are already at an advantage in that they have each other and that provides their credibility if they were to win any matches. But in ring we know their limitations and I think we're seeing right now some of the struggles that Carmelo's having being limited in the ring, having to have these matches on pay-per-view and not really being able to pull them off despite being really pretty good on on the mic. So uh, to me, I, I'm perfectly fine seeing the Iconics just in this role, uh, coming out, making fun of people, maybe getting the occasional win, but I never really want to see other one as champion. Not right now. This was a first time ever match, we were told. Becky attacks her immediately. She's being very aggressive, and Corey says she has no sense of humor. And Tom Phillips replies, can you blame her after the last two years? Well said, Tom. Uh, Royce distracted her from the floor, so Billy yanked her arm and sent her into the post. Uh, coming back after the break, uh, Royce landed a flying, uh, took a flying knee from the floor. Uh, then Becky uh, barely moved here as Billy flew to the floor, uh, just sidestepped her, and Billy like took her own bump, falling through the ropes. Uh, Becky took out Royce with a crossbody and then countered a suplex inside the ring, applying the disarmor, and Billy Kay tapped at 7:45. Um, not a very pretty match, I thought. I, I mean, B- Billy was just uh, to me, yeah. Like you, you really, yes. Again, nice again, like the reason why they have jobs is because first of all, they look great, and secondly, they're they're incredibly charismatic, so they deserve their position. But you know, you have to, you just have to be okay with like watching matches like this occasionally. But I'll say, like, I thought Becky, some of Becky's offense looked a little too wild, too loose, too. So maybe she kind of needs to, you know. Uh, but the, uh, that almost doesn't matter as much because the crowd really seems ready for a Becky Lynch title run. And, you know, I think the audience is starting to recognize her as somebody who's been overlooked amongst her peers. So uh, she definitely looks like uh, somebody I would expect to to be a SummerSlam uh, title match. All right. We had an awesome segment next. For those of you that have been listening to me and Way for a long time, you may remember we used to review Impact when it was the bane of our existence to (laughs) review this show. It was around 2011, 2012. And there were nights, there were Thursday nights where I just, I just screamed and just my head was bouncing off the walls. And one of the, the visuals I think of when I think of TNA in 2011, I think of Jeff Hardy and I think of no words coming out of his mouth 
but yet we get that inner monologue. And I feel we're slowly getting back there. And this segment was a key, key movement in that direction. Jeff's backstage in this, this very dark room with his back towards us. And he says that AJ Styles has moved on from Shinsuke Nakamura, but he has a memory that hasn't moved on from Nakamura attacking him last week with the Kinshasa. His knee collided with my face, sending a shockwave through my epidermis, reverberating through my subcutaneous tissue, rattling my skeletal system, and shaking my soul. And instead of unsettling me, his actions made me have a sharper focus. My eyes were closed before, and now they are open. As he turned to the camera, where his eyelids are all done up in the makeup, and then his eyes open. I see you. <laughs> <laughs> He's been reading his anatomy textbooks. Oh my god. This was a... Uh... I give Jeff a lot of credit that he, he pulled this promo off. Pretty uh, flawlessly, I thought. You know, there's a lot, of, a lot of big words here for him to remember all in succession. Maybe I've just like grown in the past seven years, or maybe I've regressed in the past seven years. I'm not really sure. But I like this. I like this a lot. This is that same crazy Jeff Hardy type of monologue, but I felt this was presented in a cool, non-cringeworthy way. And this was a reintroduction to the face paint. The Jeff Hardy, eyes closed, uh, painting on the eyelids type of Jeff Hardy. Level 2 Jeff Hardy, if you want to, if you will. So maybe we're only a few steps away from Willow. Um, but thus far, <laughs> thus far, I, I, I thought this was cool. Oh, my God. Do you realize the, the link that could be made here? Please. Don't. Willow comes back. You've got your merchandise and an arena full of umbrellas. Okay. Right. For the Roman Reigns spot. Oh, gotcha. Yes, right. That we have discussed on this show. You know, a lot of guys have umbrellas these days. Well, I'm just saying that there, you could have, you could sell these Willow umbrellas, and then that can be the protest from the audience. No more stop the rain with the umbrellas, and they all go up when Roman starts his match. All right, wow. This is the start way. Uh, we had the Shadows of Sanity uh, backstage announcing that the chaos has arrived as we... Uh, plugged their debut, which was announced on, on Tuesday during the day that Sanity would debut tonight against the Usos. And it's just the three of them. Uh, Nikki Cross is going to be at the NXT tapings this Thursday, and I was told not to expect her uh, coming up, at least at this time, uh, with Sanity, which, let's be honest, they, they don't need a fourth person. No, they don't. No, not at all. I don't. I don't know if Nikki Cross would like. What would she do right now on the main on the main roster? They have like I, I, Naomi. I think get, Naomi can't get on TV. I think she'd get really lost in the in the women's uh, division at this time. Renee Young interviewed Daniel Bryan. He said he isn't going to survive the gauntlet. He's going to win, uh, which kind of is one and the same, is it not? Ooh, By winning, yeah. you would by default survive. Well, surviving your means you're. How are you going to try to stay alive and not die? I think is what Renee was asking. He proved that size didn't matter at Money in the Bank, and he's facing three of the best superstars tonight in Rusev, Big E, and Samoa Joe. And Renee goes, what about The Miz? I said three of the best, which was a very good line. Mm -hmm. And uh, what is not a good line and what is not going to ever be a t-shirt that Daniel Bryan can sell is legs, lungs, and heart. Why, don't, why, why not? Why don't you think so? I like it. 
Oh, I don't. Legs, lungs, and heart. He's been saying this quite often. And- I know, I know. They're trying to get this across as like this little, his hustle, loyalty, and respect. I don't see this having the same marketing muscle as uh, that. Maybe instead of like a t-shirt, it'll be like a shirt and then like leg wrappings and just arrows pointing, <laughs> labeling legs, lungs, and heart. Like, I'm sorry, but arms are a big part of the equation of what he does. Um, okay, so, but but these are metaphors. Legs is supposed to refer to his speed, lungs is his gas tank, and heart is his heart, his will. I, I, I don't, I think that, uh, I, I think, I think him and Jeff Hardy both need some, uh, maybe some anatomy lessons courtesy of Jeff Hardy for Daniel Bryan. <laughs> could help right. uh, brian then turns the tables on renee who commits the cardinal sin of handing over the microphone to the subject and asks renee do you think i'm ready to take them on and renee responds i'm sure you are sufficiently prepared and then brian reasks to get the yes chant going that i could have done without <laughs> like this whole that whole skit of, of brian taking the mic and, and trying to get renee to a- answer a yes question I mean, I thought the be honest. Ro- Roman Reigns' joke on uh, on Raw was better than this. I, that I will give. Yes. <laughs> yeah. See, Roman Reigns is hilarious. Oh my god. The Usos came out. Boy, did it hit me when they got into the ring. How long it's been since these guys have gotten a promo. Mm-hmm. It's kind of nuts, isn't it? Yeah. These guys have really fallen since the draft. It just seems like they're. I mean, it, it goes to our point on SmackDown. Like, not everybody is going to be focused upon. And I think there's just the odd men out and the Usos have become two of them. Well, especially with like money in the bank, I think taking so much time with so many participants being in those matches. Um, but even like, I'm trying to think how much screen time the Bludgeon Brothers even have had. It's minimal. Like yeah. they do short matches and they do very quick backstage segments. So they're very easy to just shoehorn into a show because there's, there's very, very little time necessary for them. Um, but no storyline. No, no, not much. Uh, though we, we kind of have a, a bit of one coming out of this show. They said that Sanity is trying to make a name for themselves, and they were trying to make a name for themselves once upon a time, too, and made fun of themselves wearing face paint like they were the ultimate warrior on Sesame Street. But to make a name for yourself, you have to show heart or lungs, <laughs> give 100, or have two legs, and have a screw loose. And tonight, Sanity's chaos will meet Uso crazy. So good, Sanity good promo, ma- man. I miss these guys. Um, I, I definitely feel like they deserve better. Yeah, I've, I, I think 100% that that Raw tag division would be in a much better state had they been moved over during the draft. Like They just seemed they had exhausted oh, their opponents. Oh, God, <laughs> you say that, but could you imagine the Usos being part of that barbecue? And, no, I'm saying that had the Usos been there and... You had Ziggler and McIntyre. Uh, I, I think it's a very different division. If if you just have uh, opponents for Ziggler and McIntyre, and that becomes a much more serious division, and then you can have your your comedy stuff that's not part of the title picture. I think they could make it serious if they really wanted to. Like if they if they wanted to turn, uh, God, who are some of those teams? The Ascension. It, yeah, <laughs> that might be. Tough. I, I don't know. <laughs> I think they're too far gone. Those You're teams, right. like they are all yeah. write offs. Yeah. Um. Sanity makes their entrance and then jumps them. It's three on two. 
Uh, Killian Dane hit a avalanche and Vader bomb to Jimmy. And then they hit a double team neckbreaker to Jay as Wolf held him up for Eric Young. And they posed over top of them and their music played to end the segment. So we never got a match, which I wasn't complaining about. This was a good introduction for Sanity. Not blow away great, but a fine introduction for them. And it's a program for both teams to to start off. So I, I think it's a was a positive for both sides. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I wouldn't have wanted them to just come in here and beat the Usos just to establish them. I think you need to give the Usos a bit more respect than that and draw this feud out a little bit. Uh, I got to see we got to see their entrance on the main roster. Personally, I mean, I feel it's the, long. I feel the entrance is a bit much. It, it, yes, it is too long. Also, way too much work being done on camera. Too much zooming. Too much canting. Just you know, trying to make up a lot for for what really isn't there. I've never really been a fan of the Sanity gimmick. To me, I really feel like they're only like one notch above the Riot Squad in terms of intimidation. Um, but that said, you know, the talent is there. And I think especially somebody like Achillian Dane will do very well on the main roster. So hold on to your laptops if you're in the back. Sanity has arrived. Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows were in the locker room bragging about being in the best shape of their lives. Carl Anderson showed off his abs. Gallows did not. And... We are going to have a rematch for the tag titles. Uh, it was called a second chance opportunity for Anderson and Gallows. I'm not quite sure why. Mm, yeah, Very definitive know. victory for the Bludgeon Brothers on Sunday. Mm. Shinsuke Nakamura was backstage with Renee. <laughs> I'm beginning to really enjoy these two together. Like Renee is just has no time for this guy and all his bullshit. Mm-hmm. Renee says you requested this interview to talk about your loss to AJ Styles, what do you have to say? And his response is, what is a loss? And Renee is just done. She's just about to just walk off, and he calms her down. And he asks, how could I have lost when I'm standing here? The referee counted too fast. It was very unfair. Renee says, well, what about what Jeff Hardy had to say about you? Who? And Wait, I listened to this final line twice. I rewound it to try and listen, and I don't know what he said. He said something to the effect of, something of Jeff's may be open, but if he crosses him, he'll close it. He says Jeff's eyes may be open. Oh, his eyes. Yeah. I could not make this out, Way, Am I crazy? No, not at all. No, his accent is very thick. No. Uh, But that said, you know, I I thought he was great here. He Not only did he say that the referee counted really fast... He also said the referee didn't count in Japanese, so he didn't understand. I was just uh, so funny. I think like so I, this is what I enjoy about the Shinsuke promos. I I'm entertained by them regardless, and then there's all these things I don't quite catch that you do. So I enjoy them a second time. Yeah, I speak um I I speak broken English, I guess, uh pretty well. So you know, but but I also noticed Nakamura speaking a, a bit more English now and and than before. Where earlier in the AJ feud, uh, when he turned heel, it was just very kind of sparse comments. In, in this segment, he just he said a whole thing, like it was a whole, whole, uh, full dialogue that he had with Renee. And I thought he's been he he was doing a very compelling job of it. I, in some ways, I kind of feel like he's delivering these scripted promos better than native English speakers. And so much of that comes down to his his charisma. You know, ever since he's turned heel, he's been able to unleash fully like this weird, captivating charisma and personality that we've seen him uh, be try to be able to convey in Japanese. But 
it's impressive to see him now do it in his non-native tongue. Do you think with the timing of the video game announcement that that kind of led to their decision to just keep the title with AJ? Or do you think that it was the I mean, right the right choice regardless? That's a really good point I, I didn't really think about, but very well could be. Um, I think either way, though, I'm fine with having AJ with the belt. Nakamura with the belt would have been great, too. Um, but I, I'm not complaining at all seeing AJ Styles as the champion. Yeah, I, I don't know how... I don't know how Nakamura and Jeff are going to gel together. I could see it being a little underwhelming, but we'll see. Um, I don't think... I I think Nakamura is going to be fine. I I think that he's got a really engaging character, but I think that you could have put the title on him, and I think you could have gone the exact same direction uh, where they're going with Rusev had they put it on Nakamura as well. But I think Mm. that, you know, it's... I'm not that concerned about Nakamura. I think that he's... He's doing very well since this turn. This this feud will be really interesting between Jeff Hardy and Shinsuke Nakamura. You're you're talking about two of the weirder personalities in professional wrestling. It um, could be it could be like weirdly entertaining. Um, and it's not going in with the expectation that the AJ feud had. No, not at all. Yeah, but it could also be really bad. So it could be we'll like see. I could see these two like really having like just being on different pages in their matches. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see. I'm, I'm going in with uh, measured expectations. The Bludgeon Brothers against Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows for the tag titles. Uh, Anderson was taken out by Harper early, and Rowan went for this superplex on Gallows. And there seemed to be a real struggle here of Gallows trying to get his footing, and then finally Rowan hit this superplex. Mm-hmm. Uh, they double-teamed Anderson on the floor, drove him into the apron, almost like an, uh, an atomic uh, smasher here. Uh, Gallows kicked out of a splash from Rowan. And then Rowan did the deal where he's squeezing Gallo's head, to which Graves suggested that he might vomit up his brains. Uh, he didn't. <laughs> Gallo's did fight back. Uh, Anderson staggered up after getting his face smashed. You know, I do, re- ta- I, I do really in. like the fact that he brought back the head vice, though. Like the crush head vice. Um, yeah, it's been a while. I think it's a great substitute for a chin lock. When you see guys, you know, just don't know, they don't really know what to do. And they'll just go for that headlock. Bring 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 something back like like you know like a claw or something. The highlight of the match to me was Carl Anderson's comeback. Showed lots of fire here. Uh, Harper caught him with a spinning side slam that he kicked out of. They did a couple of near falls, but then uh, Harper's in the ring and he's going over to tag uh, Rowan, who just jumps off the the apron like he's about to walk out on the guy. But what was actually happening was Gallows was supposed to be there to yank him off the apron. Mm. And I guess he was late. So Rowan didn't want to screw it up and get tagged. So he jumped down and attacked Gallows and sent him over the barricade, then tagged in. And they hit the killer bomb to win the match, pinning Carl Anderson in six minutes. Um, There was a point in this match where I thought it was better than the kickoff, but uh, they had some struggles in this as well. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They did. Yeah. I mean, overall, though, I would say I, I personally like this match more. Uh, definitely mainly due to Carl Anderson, who I thought was yes. really great here. Showed some great flyer and really got the crowd with him. He saw those G1 announcements and he's got envy. He's really got a fire under him. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so as the Bludgeon Brothers are walking to the back, Daniel Bryan makes his entrance and has a face-off with Rowan and Harper on the aisle, and then proceeds to continue to the ring and teasing something for later. Uh, so the gauntlet match is about to begin. Before how how dare he interrupt? Come on, Brian. He really deserves this. 
that's that's really on the uh, the production team. Like, why did they play his music so early? Oh, I guess so. Yeah, you're right. It's really poor etiquette. Hey, before we get to the main event, um, we haven't really talked about 205 Live in a long time, but I'm noticing that they're these guys aren't even being promoted on pay per views anymore. They're not on anything. Yeah. They're not. They're not on the pay per views. They're not on Raw. They're they're pretty much completely separate now. Yeah, I, I think that they're. Uh, you know, I, I, I still watch 205 Live each week. Um, I don't really have much of a different opinion on it. I mean, it's good wrestling, but it's, um, it's Velocity. It's like, it's, it's really, you know, you can go back and watch some gems on Velocity, but it was never really part of what was going on on the main route. They just are on, a, on an island unto themselves. Well, it seems and to I, be, sorry, sorry to cut you off. I, I'm just going to say that, you know, especially once they add this NXT UK show mm-hmm. every week, uh, 205 Live becomes even a, uh, it, it's a further, le- like, less priority right. show to watch. Well, I think in the end, that's that's what all these extra shows will be. They'll just be like NXT, or they'll just be like the UK tournament, where they will just basically just have storylines unto themselves. Uh, if you want to follow along, you just watch those shows, and Raw will be Raw, SmackDown will be SmackDown. Oh my god, I, I was so entertained on uh, Tuesday morning, because Triple H posted the matches for the second night at Royal Albert Hall. And in the match listings, uh, gives away who wins the tournament on the first day to challenge Pete Dunn. Oh, no. Be, Do you have to say spoilers here? I, I'm not going to say it. I won't okay. say it. But he just listed the guy's name. And I just read the comments. And I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's like all these people who are so upset at Triple H. Like, thanks for the spoiler. <laughs> and then... WWE just doubles down. This one I am going to say because they have plastered it everywhere uh, with Mustache Mountain winning the NXT tag titles. Oh, yeah, I on, knew about that one. On Tuesday's show. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, I, I've, I've shared my stance on spoilers. I, I don't understand the, the outcry. But um, anyway, that, that was the point. I'll uh, watch the match anyway. That doesn't really ruin you know, it for me. Oh, that both nights. The cards look really good, but the second night in particular, like the lineup looks incredible. And Tyler B- Bate and Trent Seven against Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly. Yeah. Um, that sounds incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So th- I'm really looking forward to those shows next week. I'm going to try and uh, watch them during the day next week, but they, uh, God, that's a lot of wrestling next week. Anyway. This is your life now, dude. I guess so. Uh, they announced Charlotte Flair. She's going to be in the ESPN body issue. Uh, comes out at the end of June. What's notable is that uh, going back to 2011, uh, they have had John Jones, Conor McGregor, Ronda Rousey, Misha Tate, and Michelle Watterson in the body issue. And this year, they went with a WWE personality. It's very interesting. Yeah. It's the first time they've done that. And that's with you know ESPN. They're the ones uh, with the relationship now with the UFC. Yeah. Do you think it means anything? Uh, I, I, I don't think it was, uh, anything really attached to all the television deals and stuff, but I, I think it's, uh, it's kind of this, I, I think very much that the, the advertising world looks at the WWE and UFC as very similar. And at one time it was the UFC that they looked at as kind of the, the hot product. And now the WWE, I think is the hot product that they want to be attached to for something like a body issue that they're marketing. If you're ESPN, the magazine. So. Well, not to mention, like, I mean, wrestling really has kind of made a lot more strides, or at least the WWE has in, in terms of promoting its women's wrestlers as athletes rather than just models, which, 
you know, what might've been the case five years ago. Yep. So, uh, the gauntlet match began and, uh, it took up the majority of the second hour. Didn't quite go 60 minutes, but it, it did go a fair amount of time. Started off with Daniel Bryan and Biggie, uh, which is a pretty fun match. The two had, uh, Bryan teased a heel hook early, but then I guess watching Jushin Liger at the baseball game instead went for a surfboard into a dragon sleeper. And they came back from the break. Uh, Brian is leaping off the top as he misses diving headbutt, hit a top rope Rana. And then Big E stops the third running drop kick and hits a backbreaker, applies a stretch muffler, which Brian turns into the yes lock, but it's blocked when he can't uh, fully apply it. Brian turns to a triangle, goes for a slam. Brian releases and uh, smashes the knee of Big E, who gets to the apron. Uh, Brian's on the apron and Big E spears him to the floor and he hit Brian like a Mack truck. Oh, the first time I gasped watching this oh. match and, and seeing Daniel Bryan here. I mean, I think it's one thing for, for me to see Big E do that to himself, but when he's charging full force on a recently unretired Daniel Bryan off into the apron, it makes me so worried. Bryan is holding his ribs. Uh, I mean, he hit him really hard here. Well, just um, the fall from from that. Uh, but anyway, this is yeah, not, this, not a big Usually, deal. I always am watching Big E during that spot and scared for my life that he's going to land on his neck. This time, I was watching the, the man taking it and how he landed. Uh, Brian did recover, hit the running knee, and pinned Big E at 11.33 uh, to advance. I really like this match. I thought, I thought Brian, you know, he's now been showing a lot more creativity than his first few matches back. Uh, not just, you know, doing kind of his standard fare, but doing bringing out old tricks like... Like the inverted surfboard with the dragon sleeper, uh, I thought Big E too was great here. You know, all his power stuff looks good. I'd love to see Big E in a in a more serious singles run. Just even this little match to me, I thought blew away uh, all the Brian versus Cast matches. Oh, easy. Um, so then we got Daniel Bryan and Samoa Joe in the second match, and I looked the this match up. that the match that we we were supposed to get until uh, they inserted Big Cast into it. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. I looked up their last singles match way was a steel cage match for the ROH title in December 2006 at the Chicago Spectacular. Wait for it. Night one. <laughs> so here we are. Uh, if that is in fact their last singles match, here we are 12 years later. Um, they just chopped the shit out of one another. AJ Styles was watching this backstage and that was kind of a, what a visual this was. AJ Styles, the WWE champion, watching Samoa Joe and Daniel Bryan chopping one another on WWE television. Yeah, really. I mean, part of me wishes this was like 10 years ago and we we would have been watching these guys like when they were much like in, in even better shape. But to get them now is 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 great, too. All right. So, way you have... I mean, most Daniel Bryan matches we have discussed since his return, you have always talked about your concern for this man. He came off the ropes. I, I couldn't envision being next to Way and you not having some audible scream as Joe hit this power slam and he dropped Bryan on his head. Oh. It was bad in real time. The replay nearly made me cringe. I, I almost fell off of my dad's really short couch. Oh my god! His he lands, he gets spiked on his head, and then his neck turns. It. I was amazed he was okay. Like I, I don't forget even his his prior problems. Just anyone taking this, 
Right. He was incredibly lucky. I feel like somebody might be getting a, a talking to after this one, but I, I don't know. Like, Jesus. Because, like, the, when you watched it, watched it in real time, the camera cuts off the point of impact, so you don't exactly know if Brian has landed on top of his head or not. When the replay they sh- confirmed it. When oh they sh- showed that slow-mo replay, it was way worse than I, I would have thought. It was like Brian... I- <laughs> Landing right on the top of his head, and oh I was kind of, I was kind of surprised they showed the replay. Like it was really bad. Yeah, but Brian gets up and he fights back, and he got hit with a power bomb. Uh, Joe went for the modified crab into a Fujiwara armbar, and then Brian attacks Joe's left knee. He wraps it around the post. Uh, they go through another break. They come back. Brian's Brian's chest is raw meat. It is just this. Like it's it's a on a scale on a scale of zero to PCO, this was like a six, maybe a seven. Uh, PCO, who was just announced for Bola, yes, his that was his whole that was his big goal mm-hmm. was to get into Bola. And when I heard that WrestleMania weekend, I was like, well, that's that's a nice dream to have. Uh, but man, he had that. Pr- he really got a ton out of that Walter match and those videos. I think the videos are a huge part too yeah, yeah. Uh, for this. This resurgence that he, I'm not even going to say resurgence. This is the best run of his career. Yes. Yes. Like he was always yeah. a very, he was a talented worker, but he never had this level of following and popularity that he's mm-hmm. having now at the age of 50. So that's really cool that he is in that tournament. Uh, so Brian's chest is destroyed. Joe goes for the coquina clutch and Brian sends Joe to the floor to break free. Uh, he flies off the apron with a knee that barely connects with Joe. Um, it's a missile drop kick in the ring. They get they have Joe slide to the floor to avoid the running knee, and Brian slides down, and again the coquina clutch is applied, and Brian uh, does the the spot where he kicks off of the barricade to break free and runs into the ring, beats the count, and Joe gets counted out and he's eliminated. What was great was that like this was part of Joe's plan. He was going to choke Brian out on the floor, and he made sure to let the audience know that because he kept looking back at the referee. To make sure that he was just... So you got the sense that he was timing the choke so that he could release the choke while Brian was choked out so that he could run back into the ring and win cowardly by counter finish. But Brian outsmarted him and it backfired on Joe. So, man, I thought this match was great. It was a war. It was one that I wish we really had no commercials for because I would have loved to have seen this thing uninterrupted. Uh, And I thought the finish was brilliant. Protected Joe. Protected a future matchup between these two. Advances Brian. So damn smart. I really do think, you know, it's easier to book a satisfying match when you can deliver a clean finish. But to me, it's a bigger challenge when you have all these limitations put on you. All these characters you have to protect. protect Feuds you have to prolong while delivering a satisfying viewing experience. And I thought they did that here. So to me, this type of writing and booking deserves a lot of praise. Yeah. And this is when Harper and Rowan return, attacking Brian with the killer bomb. He's laid out. And you know who's coming next. The Miz's music hits. He runs out and he pins Brian with the skull cr- crushing finale. Uh, Brian went almost 30 minutes here in total. Uh, he went 29-25. And the Miz and Rusev would be in the finals. I thought really strong booking uh, overall of Brian. He came out of this with so many programs. Um, mm-hmm. two, like, great, I, I, two great fresh matches that he had. Really you know. good. I, I didn't. Th- I, I think that this builds heat for the eventual Miz match. Uh, you've done something here with Harper and Rowan that you kind of telegraphed earlier. Um, paid that off. Yeah, you've got a rematch with Joe. You've got uh, a feud with Miz that seems like is going to be next. Uh, you have 
you know, Brian's ultimate goal of that match with AJ that got cut off. Um, there's, there's quite a lot that Brian has going on. And it just so. made Brian look like an incredible baby face at the end of it. So, man, I thought all of this was great. So it comes down to the Miz and Rusev, which probably would have been the last combination you would assume this match would come down to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miz had this long rear chin lock, and he went back to this multiple times. He has his chin lock on, and the crowd starts chanting, this is awesome, that I can't imagine was serious. Uh, Rusev finally lands some kicks, makes his comeback, spinning heel kick. The crowd starts chanting, Rusev day. Miz sidestepped a machka kick, uh, tries for the skull-crushing finale, but he can't lock the fingers, and he runs into a head kick. Miz kicks out of that. Rusev is sent into the steps. He's favoring his shoulder, and Miz starts doing the yes sign, and as he runs, he gets hit with a machka kick, accolade, and Miz taps out. Rusev wins. Uh, this match went 43 and a half minutes, all told, and uh, yeah, I, I think realistically these were four matches with the Brian Miz thing more just a spot. Um, I would put, I guess it was uh, four matches in total. Three I mean, ma- oh, I mean, four matches total, but three actual matches. Yeah, the Miz yeah. thing wasn't really much of one. No. But, uh, you know, Rusev versus Miz, I mean, obviously the air was kind of let out as Brian was taken out of the match. And I feel like it took the crowd a little bit of time to get behind Rusev, who I don't think is nearly as hot now as he was maybe two months ago. But no. by the end, they got him. You know, a huge reaction for Rusev's win. And, you know, in the end, Miz versus Rusev really wasn't that bad of a match at all. So this entire last hour of SmackDown, I really enjoyed. Yeah, I uh, I like the finish of, of the Rusev thing. You're right. It got the audience into it. I, I was pretty kind of out, out of the, the first half of this match. Um, but Rusev winning, it's, it's someone fresh. And listen, I was the first one to say, you know, let's see where this goes. When Rusev, he beat Brian, he beat Joe. Uh, to their credit, they had an idea for him. He's headlining the next pay-per-view and those wins make sense in hindsight. So I wonder though, I wonder if that was the plan this whole time, especially if you know uh, what you suggested earlier about them, perhaps uh, putting the, keeping the belt on AJ due to the, the video game was, was a recent development. I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt here Yeah, uh, because I, I, I was critical of those losses. Like where was this, do you actually have a plan for Rusev here? And you know, they came out of it and they're headlining a pay-per-view with the guy. So, yeah. um, you, you have to look at the, those wins in hindsight. They meant something uh, to try and heat this guy up. Um, yeah. So they, they can certainly like uh, emphasize it. I, I, I do. I like AJ versus Rusev as a, as a match for a B-level pay-per-view. I don't think it's worthy of a SummerSlam or, or obviously a WrestleMania or anything like that. Um, but really, though, you know, with AJ as champion, I could probably almost look forward to anything. And I think that's the beauty with having AJ Styles as champion. He's very much like Okada, where... As long as his opponent is somewhat competent, you can expect a pretty good match if they're facing AJ Styles. So, uh, you know, crowd's still behind Rusev. I think this will make for a good title match. Uh, but I do see AJ taking it to SummerSlam. It's, you know, it's it's probably one of Rusev's biggest matches ever. Mm-hmm. Um, you could argue. I mean, he's, he had, you know, the Mania match with Cena. But this is kind of right up there in terms of, um, you know, his progression and... I, I do think they have some work ahead of them over the next month to reheat Rusev because he's not at the level he was six months ago when he was the star of SmackDown every single week, and they really dialed that down. So uh, we'll see what they do over the next month to build this up. I I would be very surprised if this ends up going on last at that pay-per-view. Yeah, I wouldn't expect it. I, I almost feel 
Like, I think that elimination match will go on last. Well, week. even without a title, though. Hmm. Yeah, I still yeah. see it. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how, you know, that's that's something they decide, like, the weekend of. I mean, yeah. they're not going to necessarily decide that today. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be, where where is this program a month from now? And does it click? Uh, AJ just came out, stared down with Rusev. They shook hands. And then Aiden stepped in and wanted his, his hand shook and then pulled it away from AJ. And he just dropped English with a shot and left with the title. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I really like the gauntlet match. I like the tag match on this show. Uh, I feel like a lot of new stories are being set up for Extreme Rules. So, in my opinion, a very good SmackDown. All right. Well, let's see if people agreed. On a scale of 0 to 10, Wade, do you wager a guess as to what our very critical forum thought of tonight's show? I do not. No, I wouldn't. Okay. An 8.07. I mean, that's an A in, in Canada. That's a win. All right, Tyler from Orlando. Another solid episode of SmackDown Live tonight, although I was bummed they didn't have time for Almas and Sin Cara. Yeah, that match has just disappeared. It was promised oh. last week, and uh, they, they never said it was going to be this week, did they? I don't, I ju- I don't think I, they did. I just saw it reported online. That's all. Well, anyway, uh, no update on them. Uh, Gauntlet match was great. Daniel Bryan scares the crap out of me weekly, but that scoop slam spot especially worried me. I think that Rusev winning was the right move. Most most probably expected Joe, but Rusev deserves this after all these years. Him and AJ will likely have a great match. Um, before we ask this question, what do you see for Joe at the coming out of this? Because he seems uh, programless. Right, yeah. So we got Nakamura, Jeff, looks like. Um, Brian Miz. Brian Miz. Or no, I wouldn't necessarily say so. I mean. I guess you could do. He could do the Bludgeon Brothers now and then have the Miz at SummerSlam. I, I see almost like the Miz hired the Bludgeon Brothers or something like that. That it's mm-hmm. I, I don't know what you do with Brian and the Bludgeon Brothers. It just unless you did something like Brian and Joe reluctantly team up or something. So but I, 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 thought, I thought they were going to do that with um, yeah some 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 type of shenanigans like that. I, I just see like Miz being a bigger match, but they can always do like a rematch, I guess, at SummerSlam. Um, so that means Joe is left with who who's in this uh a thing. New Day, um, hmm. there's not there's not really anyone that jumps out at me as the obvious uh, person for him. I don't know. We we shouldn't really spend waste time trying to All right. speculate uh, like this. He asks, um, Tyler asks, do you think the Gorillas of Destiny could ever make what, their way to WWE or Impact? I feel they aren't used enough in New Japan. They weren't even on the Supercard of Honor or Dominion shows. Uh, which they were on in 2017. Also, Tematonga will likely finish second to last in his block for the G1, only topping Toru Yano, probably. Um, yeah, I could certainly see them going to WWE at some point in their careers. Uh, that being uh, uh, the Gorillas of Destiny. I don't see Returning, falling. Returning, you mean? Uh, yeah, it, uh, for for the case of uh, Tangaloa. Uh, yeah, um, Tamatonga hasn't been there. But... Yeah. Um, to be honest, like Tamatonga has been given, like he's been in G1s in the past and he's kind of underwhelmed me in big match situations. Uh, so he's kind of one of the, he's kind of one of the, the lower end pieces in the G1 this year. Like mm-hmm. I think that, you know, you have these opportunities to have these blow away matches and really step up like a Juice Robinson did last year. And I haven't seen that from Tamatonga. Um, but does that matter for the WWE? No, no, no. I'm just saying in terms of like their their usage in in New Japan, um, right? 
you know, I, I kind of I, I don't see them as you know criminally underutilized in New Japan. I see them kind of at the spot they're at. And um, Folly Folly seems pretty well established in Japan. Folly is always booked very strong in the G One. He's well, got he's, his spot, and he's I, also, I see him. He's got the, his his bar too, doesn't he? Uh, he's got his bar, and and he and he's a, a big part of their their whole. Um, expansion there in australia new zealand as well so I, I see him being there for as long as he wants to be uh, i don't see him ever uprooting himself to go anywhere else so uh, let us continue we go to lewis from long beach really like the show for the most part it seems like we might be getting a brother nero on smackdown live i'm not sure if that character works nearly as well without matt next to him having well i mean jeff's been doing this it, right now it's really just face paint it's not necessarily brother nero is it yeah, I see this closer to the Jeff Hardy of like five, six years ago in TNA. Having the second hour dedicated to the gauntlet was the right move, and they managed to protect both Brian and Joe despite neither of them getting the win. Big E had a good match with Brian, and I hope this is the beginning of him getting more of a look as a single star. I'm glad to see Rooster finally getting a title shot after all these years, and with that handshake, is he now officially a babyface? I could have really done without that final sequence with, with Aiden, however. I guess he is a babyface. Officially. Uh, yeah, I guess that's how they're going to go into it, which is, uh, it's kind of difficult when AJ's your opponent. I'm not really sure, though. Yeah, they could always, he's all, he always kind of exists in this, like, in-between role. They could turn him. I imagine, like, in the match, I don't see the crowd turning on AJ to cheer for Rusev as much as they like him. Where Where is the uh, Extreme Rules? Pittsburgh. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I could see the crowd being for both of them. All right, we go on over here. Uh, great episode of SmackDown. Really don't understand where they're going with Brian at this point. Glad to see Rusev get a title shot. Do you think that bit at the end with the... Is that what you just read? No. The, oh, oh, it's just, just a similar point. Do you think that bit at the end with the handshake and Aiden getting punched is the start of Aiden eventually turning on Rusev or vice versa? Good debut by Sanity, too. Hopefully they'll be on TV in three weeks, unlike Authors of Pain. I didn't really read it as, as a turn. They seem to, to have dropped that whole Lana, Rusev... Uh, Aiden, you know, triangle thing. So I, I just see it more as maybe AJ's or Aiden's excuse to challenge AJ next week or the week after. Yeah, they'll probably do that match. That makes sense. We got a Chris from Virginia. Very good addition on SmackDown overall. Brother Nero, I knew you'd come. <laughs> Enigmatic Jeff Hardy versus Heel Nakamura should be fun. Also, I used to hate gauntlet matches, but 2018 has changed my mind between the Great Raw gauntlet in February and tonight's edition. Too bad Talking Smack isn't around for The Miz and Daniel Bryan to react to what happened, but it is Rusev Day at last. My question for you guys is about Becky Lynch. Jim Ross and Billy Ray both commented that WWE needed to do more with Becky after the crowd reaction at Money in the Bank. With a deep SmackDown women's roster, do you think Becky should be the one to defeat Carmella for the title? If not, who? Well, like I said, after like Money in the Bank, the fact that they positioned Becky as the 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 person that Alexa finally cheated to to win the Money in the Bank suggests already that they already have Becky Blinch in mind for something big. They see her as an underdog, and I'm sure they saw the reaction at Money in the Bank, and we saw the follow up tonight. Yeah, I, I'd like to see them go with Becky. I think that she she's someone that has been underutilized, but not to the point where the audience has given up on her. So that's you know, it's she's a real natural babyface to these people. I mean, and, it's almost helped her that she hasn't really had a storyline because the people who have had storylines and, and Sasha and Bailey are, are kind of hurt by having storylines. 
Next up, great SmackDown tonight. I marked out on my couch when Rusev got the win. It definitely is a few months late getting him into the main event, but him and AJ should have a great match. The WWE seems to really be liking these gauntlet matches. I'm looking forward to the inevitable eight-hour greatest gauntlet match network special from Saudi Arabia next year. Someday, yeah. Someday we'll have a 30-man gauntlet match. We got a mark from Vaughn who says, SmackDown has been really solid lately after a bit of a down period. The main event was fun and gives us even more evidence of why the New Day members should continue branching off into singles endeavors. Big E is ready for more. Didn't get the Bludgeon Brothers interference with Brian, but glad to see Rusev get a shot. Question, how do you feel about Jeff Hardy's A Minute program with Nakamura? I like the dual weirdos vibe, or, vibe already, but it would be nice if Nakamura could win the title and have a good run with it. The character has been too entertaining not to give him more. I want to see these two do a WWE Studios film together as cops that have been blackballed from wrestling. Ooh, I want to see these two do a song together. Karaoke? No, with uh, Pariwoxygen. Oh, my God. Yeah, that'd be yeah, wonderful. I want to see Pariwoxygen cover Nakabura's theme song. Yeah, they need a violinist. Last one comes from Brandon in Oshawa. Excellent show as usual from SmackDown. They really kept me guessing with the main event. First, I thought Joe for sure. Then I thought Miz for sure. But I'm glad it's Rusev, even though it's probably a one-off program. Brian is going to probably want revenge on the Bludgeon Brothers. Who do you think his partner will be? I wouldn't be surprised if they go with their favorite. Un- unlikely allies and have Brian and Miz. I, I hate that idea. No, no I, I really hate it, too. It really makes no sense. Uh, but we know that's how they like to build up to big matches, right? Mm. Yeah. You you could do, you know, if Brian and Miz is your SummerSlam match, you could do a six-man at Extreme Rules with Brian, Joe, and a partner against the Bludgeon Brothers and Miz. You mean for Extreme Rules? Yeah, for Extreme Rules. Yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah, sure. I, I think Joe could fit in there somewhere. Um, All right, that's all of uh, the feedback. Uh, before we uh, sign off, New Japan has announced all of the lineups for the G1 uh, that's coming up July 14th and then has 19 shows over the next month. And just looking at some of these main events way, this is a very loaded tournament. Uh, We have the entire lineup up at postwrestling.com that you can look at. You release that thing and like it's a blur like to try to (laughs) digest everything. It's it's. It's it's like it's like a times table. It's uh, I'm not going to go through all of them here, but just some of the highlights. Uh, the first night will have Kazuchika Okada against Jay White, uh, and Hiroshi Tanahashi against Minoru Suzuki. That's just the first night. Second night will be Kenny Omega and Tetsuya Naito. Which uh, those two, uh, you know, as much as Omega and Okada um, have you know the most uh, well known chemistry, uh, these two. Like, that's going to be outstanding. That was the finals uh, of last year's tournament. And then Kota Bushi and Zack Sabre Jr. These are, this is the, just the first weekend. Um, and then the Budokan Hall shows at the end, uh, the first night with the A-Block finals will be Tanahashi and Okada. And the second night is Omega and Ibushi uh, before the finals on the Sunday. So you can go look at all of the matches. I think this is just going to be a phenomenal tournament. Uh, I, I think both blocks have... A ton of interest, but that B block is just nuts uh, with the talent involved. Mm-hmm. Certainly, so you can go check that out. Uh, and is Kota that Ibushi, it? Kodobushi is now. Uh, oh, you mentioned this yesterday, yeah. But he's he's been unbanned from the Budokan. Yes. Uh, so he and Kenny Omega, who knows what they'll do? Well, why don't you let everybody know what what else is still to come this week at Post Wrestling? 
Well, we got a lot uh, coming out this week. Do we have an update on uh, Keep It 2000? Um, I think they're keeping it until two weeks from now. Got it. Okay. So, yeah, I believe Nate Milton is on vacation. So uh, we will not have a new Keep It 2000 uh, until further notice. Uh, or, sorry, until <laughs> two weeks from now. Um, unless they surprise us tonight. But but in the meantime, go listen to their last show with Lance Storm. It was a really good show. A ton Definitely. of insight from Lance and some stories I had never heard, including uh, of Tank Sinatra. And then on Thursday, we're going to have a new edition of Up Next with Braden Harrington and Davey Portman, uh, ch- chatting all the fallout from TakeOver, of course. And then uh, Rewind Away is up on Friday with uh, our post-wrestling cafe. And we are covering Tag Team. Boy. Tag Team. Uh, unlucky number 13 of Rewind Away, featuring yeah. Jesse Ventura and Roddy Piper's ill-fated pilot from 1991. You can find the entire show basically uh, on YouTube if you just Google Tag Team 1991 Pilot, Jesse Ventura, Roddy Piper. Uh, I'm about to watch that tomorrow, oh, and uh, I think I'll enjoy myself. What is it, just an hour? It's an hour. It's a low commitment. Gotcha. And then on Saturday, Saturday morning, we have our very first edition of Eggshells Podcast Companion. This is Chris Charlton's audio podcast companions to his new book eggshells which is a chronicling of every wrestling card that has taken place in uh, tokyo tokyo's tokyo dome so um the first one covers 1989 and it will feature jojo remy wow you've been to the tokyo dome haven't you i've only been to the outside actually i went with jojo and chris uh this past year uh, on, on my way to watch a new japan show not in not inside the tokyo dome though so I haven't been in. Uh, Well, I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to make some eggs on Saturday morning and listen to Eggshells with Chris Charlton. That's my plan. You're going to be on the next one, right? um, I don't know. Yes, I'm on the 1990 show. Right. Yes. Uh, So that'll be out uh, the following Saturday. So that is it for us. You can go to postwrestling.com if you uh, have a desire to hear, uh, first of all, our uh, Rewind a Raw Overrun show, as well as this week's Rewind Away. Uh, you can go sign up at postwrestlingcafe.com. If you join at any level, uh, you will get those two uh, bonus shows, plus a post-production video uh, coming your way uh, later this week uh, that Way and I will will do our first meeting since Way's long journey uh, outside of the country. I have not seen the man in like two weeks, so... You will get to see us in video form later this week. Maybe, I can't we'll, wait. Go, maybe we'll go for Korean food. Oh, are we going to go for food? That sounds great. Sure. Let's go to that uh, the, the owl place. Yeah. I love that place. It was really good. That was one of those meals where two days later I was thinking about, man, that was a really good meal. Well, All right. exciting. Okay. I've used up my entire word count for the week, uh, so I'm going to shut it down, and we will speak with you later this week.